This week we are in chapter 9 of the book of Acts. If you are visiting with us, we have been going through uh, the book of Acts. I think we are 13 weeks in, something like that now. Um, But we're in chapter 9, and we're looking at the first 19 verses. And uh, I think this is such an encouraging passage this morning. So I'm really excited to get to it. Um, Every week I'm excited to get to it. This is no different. Uh, One of the characters that we have recently seen come into the the story of the book of Acts uh, undergoes a major change that we're talking about today, a major change in his life. And, and, and with his change, God is going to press the gospel even further towards the ends of the earth. So here's our big idea this morning. Here's where we are going to land and really what we are ultimately going to be talking about. It's the title of the, of the message this morning, Jesus Saves and Sins Sinners. Jesus Saves and Sins Sinners. I want to read our passage before we uh, pray this morning. It's Acts chapter 9, verses 1 through 19, uh, and y'all be patient as I fumble through it. Uh, You can read on the screen, or if you've got your, your Bible, turn to Acts 9, verses 1 through 19. But Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues at Damascus, so that if he found any belonging to the way, men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. Now as he went on his way, he approached Damascus, and suddenly a light from heaven shone around him, and falling to the ground, he heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, Who are you, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus whom you are persecuting, but rise and enter the city and you will be told what you are to do. The men who were traveling with him stood speechless, hearing the voice but seeing no one. Saul rose from the ground and although his eyes were opened, he saw nothing. So they led him by the hand and brought him into Damascus and for three days he was without sight and neither ate nor drank. Now there was a disciple at Damascus named Ananias. The Lord said to him in a vision, Ananias, and he said, Here I am, Lord. And the Lord said to him, Rise and go to the street called Straight, and at the house of Judas look for a man of Tarsus named Saul. For behold, he is praying, and he has seen in a vision a man named Ananias come in and lay his hands on him so that he might regain his sight. But Ananias answered, Lord, I have heard from many about this man, how much evil he has done to your saints in Jerusalem, and here he has authority from the chief priest to bind all who call on your name. But the Lord said to him, Go, for he is a chosen instrument of mine to carry my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel, for I will show him how much he must suffer for the sake of my name. So Ananias departed and entered the house, and laying his hands on him, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road by which you came, has sent me so that you may regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And immediately something like scales fell from his eyes, and he regained his sight. Then he rose and was baptized, and taking food, he was strengthened. Jesus saves and sends sinners. Um, let's pray together this morning, and I ask if you would, as I pray, pray with me. Let's, let's all pray together. Pray that God would be good this morning to encourage us, um, to equip us, to, uh, to help us be more and more the people that we should be, individually, as families, and 
certainly as this family, New City Church. Will you pray with me? Good. Let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you for your goodness and mercy that we were singing about. Um, The goodness and mercy that you have shown to each of us, the goodness and the mercy that we um, have just read about. Holy Spirit, we pray this morning that, that, that you would be especially good to teach us, that you would help us as we look at this passage to see the truth of, um, of, of who Jesus is and what he's done, and to see the truth of who we are and what you call us to be and to do, and the truth of, of, of all that we have done and our great need for you. Encourage us today, shape us to be the people that you have uh, created and, and, and recreated us to be. Help us to be the church that you want us to be. Father, give us, give us a vision today of that. Help us to imagine and, and, and dream of what it would look like if we were. Uh, be good to us today. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so I want to I start just by making sure that we, we, we keep, um, and, and I'll do this a couple of times, but keep today's story in, in sort of the big picture, starting with Acts, the gospel to the ends of the earth, the big picture, the gospel to the ends of the earth. So Jesus told his disciples as he was about to ascend to heaven, right? He had, had done life with his disciples for a few years. Uh, he had been crucified. He had risen from the dead. He was about to ascend to heaven and in Acts chapter 1, he said that he would, he would send his, his spirit, the Holy Spirit. And, and when he did, they would be his witnesses. They would tell others all about him. They would tell others about his life, his death, his resurrection, who he was and what he had done. Um, they would tell in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth, Jesus said. Philip, as we have read about him, was one of the early believers that that scattered with persecution, and he took the gospel to Samaria. Then through a a divine appointment, we read about Philip sharing the gospel with the Ethiopian who, church history tells us, right, the the Bible tells us he became a believer and was baptized. Church history tells us that the the Ethiopian went back to his parts of Africa. And what we see is the story of Acts unfolding just as Jesus said that it would in Acts chapter 1-8, you will be my witnesses. In Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the earth. And now, in, in, in these verses that we're reading today, the story shifts as Jesus goes after Saul. Saul is, is a leader of, of the Pharisees. He's one of the leaders of the Pharisees. Um, he may have overseen Stephen Stoning, the church's first known martyr. He was definitely present and a part of that. Saul was continuing the persecution that we read about in chapter 8. And when we come to chapter 9 this morning, we read Saul still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord. Saul is is still threatening the church and, and even murdering, right? He's entering into believers' homes, the people who are of the way. The way is what they were calling the church and Christianity. And he's entering into their houses and he's dragging them out with threats and even murdering them, having them arrested and even killed. 
Jesus confronts Saul on the road to Damascus. Saul is, is blinded by Jesus, and he's sent into Damascus, as we read. And, and, and I love this. As Jesus is doing this, as Jesus is blinding Saul and sending Saul in and, and talking with Saul, at the same time, he's raising up another believer named Ananias to go and talk to Saul about the gospel. Then it happens in the story, right? Saul hears the gospel from Ananias and he believes. Jesus heals his blindness and Saul, a Pharisee and a persecutor of the church, becomes a believer and he is baptized. In this big story of, of, of starting with just Acts, of Acts, Saul is going to be tasked with carrying the name of Jesus. We read here, to the Gentiles, to the far reaches of the earth, to kings, and even to the children of Israel. Now, we've all heard of Paul, the apostle Paul, the writer of books in the Bible. Um, this is who we're talking about. Here he's called Saul, but later he will go primarily by the name of Paul. So Jesus is working to see the gospel, the good news of his life, death, and resurrection, the good news that he is the promised one, the one promised in all of the Old Testament scripture, the redeemer, the restorer. He is is working to see this good news go to the ends of the earth. And really what we'll see in the rest of the book of Acts is basically the unfolding of Saul's journey to the ends of the earth. It's, it's, it's God unfolding, really, his big story, bigger even than the book of Acts, his big story of redeeming and restoring for himself a people, a people, as we talked about last week, even looking in, in, in the book of Revelation, a people from all the peoples of the earth, every tongue, every tribe, every nation, every color, Right? This is the book of Acts in God's big story of human history, God's continuing story, God's continuing story of redemption and restoration, the gospel advancing. And this is a beautiful story, right? That's why I'm telling you again, it's not just a a little story, a day that we're reading in the book of Acts. This is an incredibly big and beautiful story and a part of all of human history. So, I want us to remember that, but I also want us to look a little bit more closely at the characters that we have in the story this morning. And when I say characters, they are characters. This is a story. It just happens to be a true story with real people. Um, And so, let's start with Saul, uh, the character that we see this morning. Saul, the self-righteous persecutor. Saul, the self-righteous persecutor, verse 9 says, But Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues at Damascus, so that if he found any believers, uh, any belonging to the way, men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. So when we look at Saul and, and who Saul is, it's a little bit complicated, and we'll sort of look at Saul through two different lenses, two different ways that we look at him. So first of all, we'll see that Saul is a self-righteous Pharisee. Saul is a self-righteous Pharisee. If we turn uh, in our Bibles to the book of Philippians in chapter 3, Saul gives us his own biography, and it comes in, in two parts. First, the part about his flesh, who Paul was in the flesh, as he calls it. Philippians um, chapter 3 verse 4, Paul writes, though I myself have reason for confidence in the flesh also. 
If anyone else thinks he has reason for confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, as to the law, a Pharisee, as to zeal, a persecutor of the church, as to righteousness under the law, Paul says, blameless, blameless. In the flesh, in the eyes of the world that Paul lived in, um, according to the ways of his culture, Saul was an incredible guy. Pretty, pretty awesome guy. He had it all going for him. He was from, like walking through um, what he says about himself, he was from a, a, a heritage of devout Jews, and that was really, really important. His parents dedicated him to the Lord. They, they, they kept the law, having set him aside and circumcised him on the eighth day according to the law. He was a Hebrew of Hebrews, and what that meant is there was no mixed lineage for him. He was, he was pure Hebrew through and through, no Gentile blood. He could trace his, his heritage, his lineage, his line all the way back to Abraham and Sarah. His people were also from the tribe of Benjamin, he says. This is the beloved tribe, right? This was, this was the tribe, the, the revered faithful tribe who followed God when others did not. So when it came to Judaism, like, like Paul, was, he, was, he was all that there was to be. When it came to religion, he was a Pharisee. Right? That meant that he was one of the leaders in the Jewish religion. He was an overseer. He was a keeper of the Jewish religion and faith. He had memorized the first five books of the Bible word for word, knew every one of them. He had been trained, and, 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 and he knew and he understood the law from Scripture. He knew every law that there was. But even more important than just knowing the law, he knew all of the centuries of interpretations of the law. He knew the law centuries worth of those interpretations and and all of the teaching that went with them and and Paul was especially good at keeping the law Paul knew the law Paul kept the law and Paul wanted to make sure everybody else around him did the same when it when it came to the law Paul said that he was blameless now that didn't didn't mean that Paul never messed up but it does mean that Paul rarely messed up and if Paul ever did mess up he did what the law called for him to do to make his sin right so when it came to Paul and the law there was no accusation that could be made against him what was happening in Acts indicates that, that Saul wasn't just a Pharisee, one of many Pharisees, but he was a Pharisee of position and power. He was given great authority by the, 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 the other Pharisees, the, the high ranking, and he himself was a Pharisee of rank, and he was on the move up. He was climbing the ladder of success as a Pharisee. He had come to Damascus to locate and remove any Christians that he could find. He had come to stop the growth of Christianity as it was happening at any cost. And he had all of the backing of the religious leaders to do just that. Saul likely, as I mentioned earlier, oversaw Stephen's imprisonment. He was likely present at Stephen's false trial where men were paid to lie about Stephen. Saul was present as Stephen was dragged out of the city gates of Jerusalem and stoned to death unjustly and illegally. Now, even more, we read that Saul is leading the brutal attack against the church. 
Through the lens of the flesh, Saul was very religious, right? He was academically brilliant. He was a leader and rising in the ranks of the Pharisees. He was a man of power and authority. But through the lens of the Spirit, he was a a sinner who was far from God. A sinner who was far from God. Now, I I, want to take another step back, if you'll give me just a minute, and, and look at the story of Acts and place Paul in the bigger story, God's big story, and what was happening in God's big story, because that's what this is a part of. God created the heavens and the earth. We talk about this story a lot at New City. On the earth, there was a garden that God created, and he placed Adam and Eve in this, in this perfect garden. Um, Adam and Eve made in the very image of God, creation. God looks at it, and he says, this is, is very good. And it was very good. Adam and Eve enjoyed the presence of God. They walked with him in the cool of day. They talked with him. They had a great relationship, um, them and, and God, until we come to chapter 3, which isn't very far into the story. Chapter 3 of Genesis, there Eve is tempted by Satan. She takes of the fruit that God had commanded her not to take of. She turns and gives the fruit to Adam. Adam, who was watching the whole time, knows exactly what is happen, happening. Adam knowingly disobeys God disobeys God taking the fruit himself and sin enters into the world when it does everything is changed Adam and Eve's relationship with one another is broken their relationship even worse their relationship with God is broken and death enters into the world for the very first time the earth is cursed And sin begins to reign both in the world, the world that we live in, the world that they lived in, and in the hearts of humanity. And that sin is passed on from one generation to the next, from one person to the next. We are all born in sin. We are all born sinners. We are all born separated from our great God. But God was not satisfied. With that, God was not satisfied to see his creation cursed. God was not satisfied to be separated from the crown of his creation, humanity. And so, as early as Genesis 3:15, God promises that he is going to send a redeemer. Stay with me in this story. It's an incredible story. God promises he's going to send a redeemer, one who would who would break the curse of sin, one who would take away all of the sins of humanity, redeeming for himself a people, setting them free from sin, setting them free from the bondage of sin, making them once more and forevermore his people. He would destroy the power of sin and death and even Satan. Over and over and over again, we see it in the Old Testament. The Redeemer is coming. He's coming, he's coming, and he will fix all that is broken. He will save his people. The Redeemer comes. We see that when we turn the pages over to the New Testament. The Redeemer comes. What is his name? Jesus. Jesus, our great Redeemer, comes. Jesus lives the life of holiness and perfection that fallen man cannot, that no other fallen man has. Jesus died the death that we all deserve because of our sin. He took our sin to the cross, uh, the righteous dying for us, the, the unrighteous. On the third day, he was raised from death, defeating death and sin and Satan, just as God had promised beginning in Genesis 3.15 and all through the Old Testament. And when we believe, when we believe that he has done for us what we cannot do for ourselves, when we believe that because of who he is and what he's done, our sins are forgiven, that we are made whole in his life, death, and resurrection, then when we come to him by faith, his righteousness is granted to us and we become his children of God. 
This is the big story of the Bible, that, th- that throughout history, God has been promising this Redeemer, that Jesus comes in history. He is the Redeemer. He lives, he dies, he's raised from death, our Savior, the Savior of the world. And this Jesus, after his resurrection, he spent 40 days with his disciples, e- equipping them finally to be his witnesses, to take the good news of the gospel and, and its freedom to all of the nations, to all peoples. And then at the end of the 40 days, he leaves them promising that he is going to send his spirit and that one day he will return. And that's where the book of Acts begins. Isn't that an incredible story? The spirit comes, right? The spirit has come. The church is born. The gospel is advancing. Just like Jesus said, the gospel is advancing. And now we come to chapter nine and Saul stands in the way. Saul stands in the way of the gospel, doing everything in his power to to wipe out the way, to destroy Christianity. He is anti-church, he is anti-Jesus, and at any cost, he will stop this movement. Jesus comes to him and he says, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? When When you attack my people, when you attack my body, you are attacking Me, the promised one, the redeemer, your forgiver, the restorer. The restorer of all that is broken. In the eyes of God, Saul was, let me back up, in the eyes of culture, Saul was a great success. He was a man rising in the ranks as a Pharisee. He was a keeper of the law. He was brilliant. In the eyes of God, Saul was a proud, arrogant, murdering sinner, lost and far from him. He was a persecutor not only of the church, but of the son himself. But the good news is he was no match for the king. No match for the king. So let's look at our next character. We got Saul, the self-righteous persecutor, and Ananias, the faithful follower. Verse 10 introduces us to Ananias. He is a disciple in Damascus. Now, disciple means that Ananias was a follower of Jesus. And let me let me let me put some words here with this, what a follower of Jesus means. It, it, it means that he not only believes the good news of the gospel, which is where a lot of us stop. That doesn't make us disciples. If we are disciples, then we, we not only acknowledge the good news of the gospel, but we practice the will and the ways of Jesus. That's what a disciple does. And he was a devout and faithful follower of Jesus who had become a follower of Jesus out of Judaism and the law. In Acts 22, Paul says of Ananias that he was well spoken of by all the Jews in Damascus. He was a respected follower. He was a respected Jew before he became a follower. Our story here in chapter 9 gives us some other insight on Ananias, and I love it. When Jesus appeared to him in the dream and gave him instruction to go and meet Saul, we see some things. First of all, we see that Ananias um, shows some wisdom. His response shows some wisdom, w- wisdom maybe with a, with a slight delay in faith, but he is a wise man. Um, he, he, he responds to what Jesus tells him to do by essentially saying, wait a minute, Jesus, 
I've heard of this Saul. Are, are we talking about the same guy? I, I've heard of this Saul. I've heard how much evil he has done to your saints in Jerusalem. And, and, and I've heard that, that here in Damascus, he, he is under the authority of the chief priest and he is given freedom to do whatever he wants to do to stop the church. He, he is evil. Are, are you sure about this, Jesus? Now, let me point out one other thing about this conversation that he has with Jesus, one or more. Ananias knew Jesus. Now, he didn't know Jesus because he was a disciple who had walked with Jesus when Jesus was alive, but he knew Jesus. He had a relationship that, 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 that we see here. He had a relationship with Jesus that wasn't just that Jesus was his distant, far-off Savior. Listen to me on this one. He had a relationship with Jesus that was more than Jesus being some far-off person who had done something great and mighty, and, and, and he was distant and far from him, his Savior. It, it was more than that. There was, a, there was a deep personal relationship that we see in these, these few verses. He heard Jesus' voice in this dream, and he knew it. He knew that was Jesus speaking to him. He knew it because he talked with Jesus. He spent time with Jesus, praying to Jesus, listening to Jesus. And, and, and it was the kind of relationship that he had with Jesus where he was comfortable to ask Jesus Jesus, the creator and sustainer of all things, Jesus the mighty, his relationship was with Jesus was one where he could say, Jesus, I, I'm not sure on this. Are, are you sure that this is what you want, Jesus? We're, we're, we're talking about Saul, the murderer. And that's pretty awesome. So what are some things that we see of Ananias? He's a, he's a Jew by birth. Now he's a believer. He's committed. He is a committed and faithful follower of Jesus. He is a man who is respected in his community. He is a man of wisdom. He is ultimately a man of strong faith. And, and, and in going, which is what he does, in going, he shows that he is a man of courage and boldness. And he has courage and boldness, not in himself, but courage and boldness because he knows his king. That's where his courage and boldness lies. So we've run through the story. We, we know what happens. Ananias goes and he meets Saul. He shares the gospel with Saul. Saul becomes a believer. He's healed from his blindness. And believing now the good news of Jesus, Saul is baptized by Ananias. So let's talk about the third character, Jesus, who is the hero. Jesus, who is the hero of this amazing story. What do we see of Jesus? Um, and there's much more that we could talk about from this story that we see of Jesus. But one thing that we see is that Jesus is sovereign. Jesus is sovereign. And we see it clearly in this story. He knows the beginning from the end. Jesus does. Jesus knows all things. He knows the beginning from the end. And, and, and more than just knowing it, he is able to bring about every end that he desires. There is nothing outside of his grasp. There is nothing that he cannot do. Nothing outside of his amazing power and his powerful ability. 
Think about he, how he orchestrated all of these events. Meeting Saul on the Damascus road. moving, Coming to Saul in his blindness as Saul was praying to say, Saul, I'm sending someone. I'm sending someone to you who will heal this blindness. I'm sending Ananias. And, and, and he will come and bring with him your sight. Wait for Ananias. Before Ananias even said yes. While Ananias was still talking with Jesus in this relationship. Are you sure, Jesus? He, he had already talked to Paul. He had already said to, to Saul, wait here for Ananias. He's coming and he's going to bring your sight. Then he goes to Ananias. Ananias, go and see Saul. I've told him that you are coming. Ananias, trust me. Before either of them said yes, Jesus told Ananias, Ananias, you have to go. You have to do this. Saul is waiting for you, and I've chosen Saul to be my servant. This was before Saul was a believer, before he was baptized, before any of that happened. I've chosen Saul to be my servant, to take my name to the Gentiles, to stand before people and before kings, the kings of the world. Jesus wanted it to happen. Every single step, every single part falling into place perfectly. Who would ever have dreamed of a story like this story? Ananias goes, Saul believes, he sees, he's baptized, and and the story that unfolds is incredible uh, of God doing exactly what Jesus chose him to do. Uh, going, Going to his own people, going to the Gentiles, standing before kings, proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ, taking the gospel to the ends of the earth. That's your Jesus. Amen? This, this is our Lord and Savior. This is our sovereign King bringing about His plans, working to fulfill every single promise that He made. Everything that He said was going to happen, He brought it about. We should trust Him. We see this story and know that we can trust him, that, 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 that he is able, that there is absolutely nothing. Y'all, this story is so far-fetched. Who would ever have imagined God working this way? No one. And yet here it is. And again, before either of these men said, yes, Lord, I, I'm, I'm, I'm all in on this. Jesus had says, I've got a plan. I'm sending you, and I told Saul you were coming, even though you haven't said yes. And I've got a plan for Saul, even though he hasn't said yes. He's taking the gospel to the ends of the earth. He's going to share this beautiful news with his own people, and he's going to stand before kings. Oh, and by the way, I'm going to let him know how much he will suffer for this. Trust him. Trust your sovereign king. He is is able. 
He is able in our blindness. He is able in, in our uncertainty. He is able when, when everything seems crazy or, or hopeless. He is able. Believe. Believe. So we see that Jesus is sovereign. We see that Jesus is glorious. I don't have enough time to develop this today, but Jesus is the light of heaven that blinded Saul. Jesus is the light of heaven that blinded Saul. The writer of Hebrews chapter 1 verse 3 says, He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature. He is the radiance of the glory of God. Revelation 21, 23 says of the city of God right at the end of the Bible, we, we, we get a glimpse of what the end of this part of human history is going to look like when God redeems fully and restores and Jesus has come back to save his people fully and finally Revelation 21 verse 23 says and the city the city that is to come and the city has no need of sun or moon to shine on it for the glory of God gives it light and its lamp is the lamb that's Jesus our Jesus and he is beautiful beyond words. And, and it was his glory, the radiance of God, that blinded Saul. And then there is this one. Jesus is sovereign. Jesus is glorious. Jesus saves Ananias' and Saul's. Jesus saves Ananias' and Saul's. That's a, that's a hard word for me. In Romans 5.8... Saul, now Paul, wrote, God shows his love for us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Paul, Paul knew that to be true. Paul knew that while, while he was far from God and trying to attain his own righteousness, Jesus died for him. It was Jesus on that road, on the Damascus road. It was, it was Jesus who pursued Paul, and it was not the other way around. And the Bible is filled with story after story after story of a loving God chasing after fleeing stubborn people and peoples, pursuing them in order to save them. That's what we see on the road to Damascus, Jesus coming to engage and save a dirty, rotten sinner named Saul. I love this too when it comes to the pursuit of sinners. Jesus pursued Ananias as well. Sometimes the only stories we think of are the murderous stories, right? The, the, the worst of sinners. Jesus pursued Ananias as well. We don't know the story of that pursuit, but somewhere along the way, Jesus came to a respectable, religious, Jewish guy named Ananias. And he called him to himself. And his story wasn't the same as Saul's, but it was Jesus pursuing a sinner nonetheless. See, Jesus pursues those that we would look at and call good people. Here's the truth. There, there is no such thing as good people. We have all sinned and come short of the glory of God, and the Bible is, is crystal, crystal clear on that. Our self-righteousness amounts to a pile of filthy rags. There are no good people. 
Ananias was a, was a sinner who needed a savior, who could not save himself, who could not do enough good in his own life, who could not be good enough to tip the scales of justice in his favor. And Jesus set out for Ananias, and he saved him. Now, let me talk a little bit more about Saul. In Saul, I, 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 we talked about this earlier, we really see two types of people. One, we see the self-righteous Pharisee, right? The self-righteous Pharisee who didn't think that he needed Jesus. Y'all listen to me here. This is, we live in the, in the deep south, in the Bible belt, in a, in a very religious um, city and in a very religious part of the country. And there are a lot of self-righteous Pharisees around us. A lot of self-righteous Pharisees who don't see their need for Jesus. They think, like, like, like Saul, that they are doing fine in their own righteousness. Be- because they work hard and they try hard, they can be good enough without Jesus. That was Saul. He, he, he kept the rules. He did the right things. He avoided the wrong things. When, when Saul compared himself with the people around him, he was head and shoulders above all of the rest of them, but he was just a self-righteous sinner. And the truth is, as good as he was at the do's and the don'ts, at keeping the law, he had absolutely no relationship with the Father. None. And I know a lot of people in our Bible Belt South who fit that same description. And, and if you happen to be here today and that's you, I want you to know Jesus is pursuing you. What a, what a wonderful day for you to be here today. It is Jesus pursuing you. He is inviting you to rest from your wearying, self-righteous works. He is inviting you to rest in the righteousness that he gladly gives you through faith in him. He is inviting you to to more than salvation and a, a trip one day to heaven. He is pursuing you for a deep relationship. That is what he desires. To walk with you and, and, and to talk with you just like he did with, with, with Saul, like he would with Paul, like he did with Ananias. The other thing that we see in Saul, right, it, it, it's, it's amazing that we see in Saul this self-righteous religious person. And, and, and in the same person, we see a murderous, hate-filled man who denied Jesus and denied the gospel. Paul says he was the chief of sinners. Hear me this morning. No one is unreachable for him. There is no one who is unreachable for him, not one person, not even the chief of sinners, not even the person who who hates his name and who curses him. No, No murderer is too difficult for him, no thief, no addict. If you have thought about yourself at some point that you are too far gone for him, I'm glad you are here as well. Because I want you to hear me this morning. None of us is greater than Jesus. And the gospel is bigger than any single sin. It is bigger than than all of your sins. It is bigger than all of our sins. It, it, It is bigger than the sins of the entire world. 
in this pursuit, salvation, Jesus saves. He's, he's offering you salvation, his life for your life. He is, he is offering you his righteous and holy life as a gift, as if you actually lived it. And listen to me, when he gives you that life and you receive it, that is exactly what God sees of you. Not the, the countless sins of your past or even your present, not even the sins of your future. What God sees, the Father sees his holy and righteous and beautiful son. His life for your life. Jesus is offering you his death, his death for your death. That's what the cross was all about. Jesus suffering the wrath of God, the death that we all deserve, taking our place there so that we don't have to face that. Jesus is offering you today his life, new life, abundant life in him. His resurrected life, victorious over death and sin and Satan, freedom from sin he's offering to us. He's offering to you. A new life as a son or daughter of the king. So if that's you this morning as, as, as a sinner who maybe thought there was too much in your life for him to overcome, stop running, Saul. Stop running and believe the, 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 the true and beautiful news of the gospel. Stop running and be saved. Jesus saves. He saves Ananias's, right? He saves Saul's. But he doesn't just save, Jesus also sins. Jesus sent Ananias to carry the gospel message to Saul. And Saul, he will send all the way to Rome. Really more amazing than, than, than just Saul. And so often we forget, but, but, but Jesus sent Ananias to Saul so that Saul would then take the message the next step and the next step and and all the way to Rome and really because of Ananias's obedience and, and and his boldness and his courage to to hear from Jesus and say yes and to go to Saul we are here today because of Ananias Jesus sins Jesus sends every single disciple. And you, you hear me say this, New City, every believer, every one of us who is a believer, we, 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 are, we are sent people. This is the life that Jesus intends for us. This is the new life that is ours. He, he calls you to himself, but not just to, to wait again for that day, one day when you die and you're with him or he comes back. He calls you to himself, and just like he did the disciples in the Gospels, he sends you and me out away from him. He sends us out with the good news of the gospel. Jesus through us saving others. Jesus through us redeeming for himself a people and growing for himself a kingdom. That's the story. That's the big story. This is our beautiful new calling to, to proclaim him, to proclaim his beauty and his, his grace and his forgiveness and his restoration. And as we go, as we go, as we go about our life, sometimes alone, sometimes with our, with our wife, with our children, with our family, sometimes with our missional community or with this whole family of believers, as we go, we go sent by Jesus. Everywhere we go, we go sent 
by Jesus. The, the Ananiases and the, and the Sauls, we are sent with good news. We are sent with good news for other Ananiases and other Sauls. This is, is his story. This is our story. This is what changed the world. Let me, let me close by just asking you to, 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 to dream about this question with me, to think about it. What if we truly believed this? Like what if we really believed it? I don't mean, again, giving mental assent to it. I mean, what if we really believed it? Like, what if in our heart we, we, we saw it in the Word of God and we, we really believed it and said, you know what? This is, this is me. I'm a missionary. I, 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 am, I, am, I am one who has been sent. I, I am God's people who, who now proclaim the excellencies of him who called us out of darkness and into his marvelous light, as Peter said. What if we believed that? How would it change our lives? How would our lives be reordered like Ananias? Believe that we were missionaries, sent ones, like Ananias. How would it change our church? How would it change our city? I believe it could change the world. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this incredible story. Thank you for your love and your patience with sinners like Saul and sinners like Ananias alike, with sinners like me. God, you invite us to a life that is so much bigger than the lives we live. Holy Spirit, help us to see that and to believe it. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.